thoughts I never can sleep. They were ours long ago. Now you're somewhere else while I'm alone. Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. I hope you've been receiving the weekly e-newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. There is information in there about the latest podcast episode, plus other goings-on, including exclusives that only the people who are signed up to that list get to see first. If you are not getting that, it's quick and easy to sign up. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Portland, Oregon, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist who put out a new single a couple weeks ago and has an EP coming out at the end of next week. He has performed as far away as London and has even traveled to exotic locations such as Iceland and Bali. He has more than 25,000 monthly listeners on Spotify and his music catalog goes back to 2014. He has done extensive work with Maxwell House, plus he ran an Indiegogo campaign to help fund his new recording project. I've been hearing a song of his called Love You Now. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Bo Bascoro. What's up, everybody? Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, Bo. Looking forward to this. Thanks for making time. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Let's kick things off by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Love You Now. Yeah, so Love You Now was written in a late summer night where it was really hot and um, basically my my head was on the topic of self-sabotage because I had just recently been going to therapy and full disclosure, I'm in therapy and um, I, I got to a point where I was re- becoming more aware of like the decisions I was making and my actions and how my how what my role is basically in uh different relationships i have and one was how uh, my self-sabotage was a part of um the falling out of a relationship i had and coming to terms with that and uh coming to that reality and taking responsibility for that and so i just remember being up really late one night because it was really hot and we didn't have air conditioning up here typically most houses in the portland area don't have air conditioning because it's uh like raining 70 to 80 percent of the year so Mm. when we have the heat waves we're dying all the time so what better way to to spend hot nights than thinking about (laughs) self-sabotage in your relationships so um that's that's kind of that that was when i wrote it and yeah the whole point was just i think the the whole theme is just taking responsibility for that uh, for uh, the flaws in the relationship that kind of caused the that to fall apart and coming to terms with it and then taking a step back and saying, you know, I think I have a, a grip on what I did and what my role was. And if at any point um, this is going to happen again or this could happen again, I'm here for it. And yeah, I think it's just I mean, to sum it up after that long story, I think it's really just about the one who got away and taking responsibility for my role in that. 
I must say that I commend you for your commitment to the song, though, because hearing you describe that and saying it was a time that I was in therapy, you described perfectly what the weather conditions were. You're writing about a very heavy topic. It's really easy to just walk away from that and say, you know what? No, this is just, this is way too much to deal with right now. I'm not going to write this song. And I think I see the songwriter in you saying, but there's something here though. I have to write this now. This is something that I'm living out. And if I put it away, number one, I can try to revisit it nine months from now, but I'm not going to be as close to it as I am now, or I'm going to have a different perspective. And number two, the artist says, yeah, let's get some new material. So hats off to you for seeing that through. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And actually, it's funny that you say that, uh, like sitting in that moment and taking advantage of that rather than coming back to it months from now, because there have been songs like that where I'm like, oh, I feel like this has got a lot of potential, but you know, I'm doing this other song, so maybe I'll come back to it. But that one specifically, I think I was, I was definitely in the, it was lit quite literally the heat of the moment. And I felt like I started noticing myself, um, having that trend where I'd come back to songs later. And with that song specifically, I'm like, uh, I feel really connected to this moment. And this is like a new revelation for me already. So we might as well just capitalize on the fact that I'm stuck in this heat wave of insomnia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And that's, that's yeah, what you did. Yeah, precisely. Let's talk Thank about you. another song of yours, one called High. As of this morning, yeah. it had more than 1.9 million streams on Spotify. Since there are listeners of this show who are aspiring performers and they subscribe to my podcast to learn from me and my guests as they try to build their career, how did you gain traction for that song to achieve the success that it has had? That is, that is a really good question. I, it's kind of funny because looking back, that was the one song that, um, it kind of ties in with, uh, I think a lot of my musical journey and kind of, um, yeah, I, I would say just it, the song really ties into with a lot of my musical journey and how I've perceived myself and my music. But I feel like that song I almost want to say that it was a fluke, but I don't want to be discouraging in that because I really am proud of that song, but it I think it reflects a lot of how I perceive myself and how I perceive my music. That was the first song that I kind of took my hands off of. I feel like I have a habit of being re- before that being really controlling of how the song has to sound, how the every melody, how every line has to be perfect. Mm. And when you do that, you hold it so close to your chest that um, you get to a point where you can't even release it. Or when you release it, it's like, it's almost like, uh, it, it just drives you crazy because you're so, you're so obsessed with having so much control over that. Yeah. And so with that song specifically, I wrote what I needed to say. I was honest about it. I did what I could with it. And that was also the first song that I didn't produce fully with my, with my, the, my typical co-producer. And, Hmm. and so I just released it into, into the ethos. And I did have some help with a company that I happened to have been collaborating with at the time, Maxwell house. And, um, that was kind of like, uh, that that happened to have been a song that they really latched onto and they really okay. took a took a liking into. Okay. But um I was kind of at that point I really I didn't feel like the production wasn't what it wasn't what I wanted it to be, but 
I got to a point where I just really wanted to let go and not hold things so close to the, my chest and just release it. And I didn't make any announcements. I didn't market it or anything, but mm. because it was such a catchy tune for so many people, I kept getting responses back being like, dude, this, this is like so honest. The melody is so catchy. Wow. I'm obsessed with this. And so I just kept getting feedback and it was almost the first time I had someone message me about it. I was cringing. Cause I'm like, Oh God, I didn't want this person <laughs> to know that I released it. But they're like, this is so good. Are you kidding me? The, the, the melody, your vocal performance, the, the lyrics, they're killing me right now, dude. And in a positive way. And I think that was just a really good for me, I think that was a wake up call that I really need to let go of that control and just let the music do what, um, you know, once you release it, it's just, it's out of your control. And when you hold things so close to the chest, I think you, um, you kind of keep it from, from really experiencing its full potential because you're trying to keep it so much the specific way that you don't let anyone else have their thoughts or anything in it. And that kind of gatekeeps from, like I said, it's full potential. And, um, it, it clearly, it clearly worked for these, for the, the listeners. And that's why I say, I feel like it was kind of a fluke because I, I did the the least amount of marketing for it, but Mm. I had the most return from it. And interesting. It still blows my mind. And every time someone says, yo, I love this. This is my favorite song. I'm like, Oh man, I need to accept this. I need to accept this. This is a great thing to hear, but it's so embarrassing, especially because not embarrassing, but it's like, well, what about the songs that I fully produced or the songs that me and my buddy made together? It's always such a weird, it's a weird thing to hear, but it's encouraging to know that like you can put so much effort into something and it might not actually get the, the hype or the, the clout that you want it to. But then if you just let it let something just organically become what it is, it ends up being a, a smash for you. Yeah, I th- I can see that conversation where someone's saying, "Man, this song is awesome. I love it. This is probably my favorite song of yours." And you're like, "Thanks," with a question mark at the end. Yeah, but it's you know, it's it's like uh, you do appreciate it. Little do they know that there's this conversation raging on in your head with yourself about the things that you just mentioned. And, and there's like a ton of things raging through my head right now because so much of what you said, like for instance, I know other people have said it on the show, but for some reason I always associate it with the first time it was said and now here's this entertainment. Mm-hmm. Way back on episode 92, Johnny Diaz, he's a Christian artist. He said, it's the songs that we write that we think are going to be hits that don't go anywhere. And it's the song that we write that you don't think is going to be a hit that ends up being the one that takes off for you. And so here you are saying, this is the one that I finally decided like, okay, I guess I need to kind of just like loosen up the reins a little bit and not try to control it so much. And all of a sudden here it is 1.9 million streams later on Spotify. (laughs) I was shook. I was shook. You know, and, and similarly, there's also something to be said for, like you said, just letting the song go. Yeah. There's someone that I used to know who this person would write a song and they'd put it aside and then they'd come back to it and they'd make some tweaks and they'd put it aside and they'd come back to it and they'd do some rewrites on it and they'd put it aside. And you can see where I'm going with this. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know what? At some point, like the song just has to be done and you got to let it out there and you have to move on to writing another one. Yeah. And, you know, there, I also remember Michael Jackson, you know, in, in the This Is It movie mm. where he was telling the band, you know, just let it marinate, just 
just let the song sit. And and that's what you were fighting against is you're trying to control every little aspect of it. And it's like, Bo, like back off, like just let the song marinate. And, and you use the word organic. And that came to my mind as you were talking that like, just let this song do what it needs to do outside yeah. of your control. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I feel I can't tell you how many artists I know up here that are like, yo, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. I'm like, yo, we've been talking about the same song for six months. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, they're like, yeah. I got to release. It. It's got to be perfect. I'm like, no, that's I think that's the beauty of like being an independent artist, too, is your fan base and your listeners. The more you just it, it's really just about the content. I personally believe it's just about the content and continuing to release because a song you know, it, uh, the core of a song, it's the lyrics, the melody and the progression. And if that's great, then the whole thing's going to be great. And if, if you're taking so long to release music, you're not going to build that fan base. And what I think is a really beautiful thing is just constantly releasing those, that music because it's so, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's vulnerable and it's, it's who you are. And for your listeners to be able to see the process of growth in all of those songs and, seeing you know what you're writing about your performance level seeing the quality of it seeing that evolve too i think personally is a really cool thing to experience as as a listener myself to some of my favorite artists absolutely yeah i think about like jack garrett he's one of my favorite artists and like hearing some of his first music which is what really what i really latched to and really caught me onto him the quality is completely different than what it is now and, you know, I started listening to him back in like 2014. Um, so obviously produ- production's changed, but his writing, his, uh, his vulnerability, the melody, all that stuff is just, it's cool to see that progression. And if he just sat there and was like, I'm not ready until it's the greatest production ever, then I never would have heard of him. Yeah, and we always talk in the podcast world about people who say they're going to start a podcast, and you see them a month later, and you say, hey, did you get this podcast started yet? No, I just have mm. to X, Y, Z, and then you see them three months later, they haven't started six months later, and it's because they're waiting for everything to be perfect. Yeah. And then they look at me, and they go, wow, you're over 400 episodes? And I say, yeah, because consistency is key, Yes, but also because I just started at the time that I thought I wanted to do a podcast. I just started and I let it grow over time. And, and you know, I, I'm the first one to say, I don't want to go back and listen to episodes one, two, or three, <laughs> maybe episode 92 with Johnny Diaz, but I don't want to go back as far as two. 100%. I'll go back to 92. But, you know, that's, that's the point is that if you hold on to these songs and hold on to these songs and hold on to these songs... They're never going to get out there. And like you said, you're going to have no one but yourself to blame when you're not building a fan base because you don't have any songs to give to them. Exactly. So it's just like in the podcast world. You can't say, you know, well, I wish I had a whole whole bunch of listeners. It's like, well, you got to get a podcast first. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. I have. It's so funny that you say that about listening back on your on your podcast, because I have some friends who they are well they become friends now but back in the day they knew of me because of my first ep i released which like i will never go back and listen to that because i will <laughs> like i literally will feel sick like thinking about it now makes me a little queasy <laughs> but they'll send they'll tag me in like a video of them at the gym or something listening to some music of mine from that ep and i'm like oh, please don't share this with the world and like i i agree with you i think the same thing with with artists and like checking in with people, are you ready? Is it coming? When's the next podcast? When's the next song coming out? And for me, I'm realizing, especially the the toll that I I feel like 
the last couple of years have taken on people. I personally have never been filled with as much self-doubt as I have now. Mm. And looking back on the decisions I've made and the lack of music um, I've released versus how much music I actually have, the only thing that has really kept me from releasing more and more consistently has been my self-doubt and the idea that I need someone to be doing this stuff for me because I don't know how to do it. And so I'm always thinking I need to hire my co-producer and pay this much money for this much time in the studio so that I can have this specific sounding song um, or I can have my song sound exactly how I want it to. And the problem with that is that's really expensive and um, you're relying on someone else to create something that you've already created, I guess, in a sense. And, um, it was only until like last month or a couple months ago that I was like, oh my gosh, it's literally just my self-doubt is just at its peak right now. And um, so now I'm kind of in this process where I'm like, okay, whatever. I, I can't be relying on other people's opinions or just other people that do this for me. I really, I feel like I can do this myself now. And I've had my co-producer and I've had friends say, dude, you've been able to do this. You know how it works. You just need to start feeling more confident in yourself. And so... I don't mean to ramble, but I think that like the biggest thing that holds people back is just their self-doubt in their in their skills. And the only way you improve those skills is to actually start making the moves. Well, and it also makes it easier for you to talk yourself into saying, the only thing stopping me is I have to pay this person and it's this much and that's a lot of money. Yeah. So it's like you're you're making it okay to say, well, it's not me that's stopping myself. It's the fact that there's this cost in between that oh, I have yeah. to solve. Not taking responsibility. And all of a sudden, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as we're talking about Bo Bescoro original music, let's hear all about your new EP, which comes out next week, Friday, November 5th. Yes. How many songs yes. will there be? What's the title of it? Who did you work <laughs> with on it? Where was it recorded? All the details. Okay. Okay. You asked three questions and I already forgot what they were because I got excited. So <laughs> the EP is titled Wildfire, which is the main, uh, I guess, the emphasis track on the EP. And originally... I had written that song um, and was going, and, and I'd been dying to release this for a while now, but didn't really know. I guess I'd been, you know, for the last few years, I've still been trying to decide what direction I want to go with songwriting. What, you know, when someone asks you, what's your genre now? You're like, what kind of terrible person are you to ask me something like that? <laughs> as a music, as, especially as an independent artist, I'm like, music is so, like, so ambiguous now that I have no idea what this what is this going to be? I had an inter- interview the other day where someone someone asked me what my genre was, and I was like, oh, it's clearly ADHD, Rage Boy, Indie Rock, or something <laughs> stupid like that. And she's like, she wrote that in the in the article, and I'm like, no, oh I was gosh. joking. It's just, how, it's just how ambiguous music is, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's really hard to say, but Wildfire is the, is the track title, and I wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go with it, but recently... I've been really enjoying the the genre of music I've been writing, you know, with Love You Now, and um, there have been a few songs that I'd released a while back that um, they had to get taken off the internet because of a label breakup, but, but I really liked that direction we were going, and so thinking about sonically what was happening, I felt like this kind of fit really well with, this sound fit really well with the song I'd written, so... I put that together and I loved it, but I felt like it didn't really stand. I felt like it was a little too heavy to be just like one single. 
And so I was with my co-producer, Justin Abel, and he owns uh, Abel Recordings out in Portland. And we kind of, we were talking about that idea and we thought, man, it's just, it would be kind of cool. We already have kind of a theme going with the sound and the story with some other songs that we had. So uh, we put six tracks together and I, I, I guess I should say five and a half. One is like, one is like the, the intro to the final track. Okay. But I think we've, we've had this, we've, we've had the tracks for it for, I guess the last two years and finally put it together. And I just feel like this is sonically the, I've never been more proud of a project before. And it's really exciting to say that because I've never felt proud about my music like this before. Yeah. And it's just cohe everything from the the themes, the sound, yeah, the whole story. It's just so cohesive for me. And I think it gives the listener a very specific, brief, really vulnerable, I guess, insight into a part of me that I've been running from for a long time, which is mm. that self-sabotage that we were talking about earlier and mm-hmm. kind of taking responsibility for what happens in my perspective or perception of different scenarios in relationships and really, you know, romantic and platonic relationships and just different kind of circumstances that I I get faced with. And so I think the theme really is, is the retrospect of, of those kind of situations okay. and you know in the moment you th- I think you said it earlier people people don't take it they put the blame on something else people don't take responsibility for certain things like releasing music or the uh, breakup or a falling out of friends and mm. so in the last year I've had the opportunity to be locked in my house alone and just reflect on everything in my life and so mm what better way to be to get mentally healthy than just getting locked in a room by yourself and so i put this together just kind of like coming to terms with things that i didn't realize before with certain scenarios and specifically uh platonic and romantic relationships and falling and those falling outs and i think i'm really proud of this because it's just the most honest i've ever been about myself and sonically it's got that kind of nostalgic vibe that's really kind of in right now or has been in the last couple years and I like how not gimmicky in a negative way but I like how how that really is fitting with looking back on something that you were fond of but fell apart and you were really hurt by but then looking back again realizing oh I think I had something to do with this sure sure And I'll tell you, you know, what a victory this is for you, because when I heard you say I was locked in my house by myself for the last year, you know, and and you talked earlier about, you know, self-doubt and going for therapy and all that. I mean, that could be a very volatile environment to be in. And instead, you turned it into, guess what, folks? New EP drops November 5th, all new original (laughs) stuff from Bo Bascoro. And it's like, wow, that's... That's a victory. That is looking at that situation and saying, okay, this is ripe for me to sit here and wallow in my tears, in my sorrow, in my self-doubt, and to just really sink myself further. And instead, you said, hey, great time to be creative. Let's do this and write a bunch of new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And what's cool is that 
I feel like there were hints of that in some of the older. What we decided to do too is, the, like I said, there were there were hints of that in older songs that I had that I had previously released. One, um, one's gone now, and uh, the other one was just recently was just recently released. But I was, I felt like there's just so much that was cohesive, and I didn't realize was more cohesive than and more fitting for this EP, and so being able to take those and put that in there was also really exciting because it was a new way of, I think it was a new way of looking at the song too, rather than just looking at my life. It's like, you know, I've written these new songs that are with a different shift of, of perspective, but also these older songs have, have a new perspective for me as well. And they were already finished. So this kind of works. Let's put this in here. Let's reimagine it, reproduce it. And, um, I felt like it fits so well. So that's really exciting for me too. Cause there's, you know, you look back on a lot of decisions and you look back on a lot of your songs and I feel like there's something else that, uh, that you hear from it that you didn't think of before sometimes. Um, if that sure. makes sense, if that makes sure. sense. <laughs> sure. Well, I mentioned in the intro that you ran an Indiegogo campaign to help fund this new EP. Yeah. I feel like in the past when guests on this show have talked about doing crowdfunding campaigns, they typically were utilizing Kickstarter for the most part. Mm. So for openers, was this the first time that you've done any kind of crowdfunding campaign? But then secondly, what led you to choose Indiegogo? And what was your experience like with them, by the way? This was my first time doing... A crowdfunder. No. Okay. Actually, no, it wasn't my first time doing a crowdfunder. Before I released any music, I thought I could do a crowdfunder without anyone knowing who I was. And so I felt like I did Kickstarter, which um, it's, yeah, it sounds like you're familiar with Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. There were a couple reasons why I, I, I didn't go with Kickstarter. I actually think Kickstarter is a great platform as well, but I went with Indiegogo because I mean, ultimately I did it because I know a lot of other artists that had done that rather than another crowdfunding platform. And I was like, oh, well, this works. I wasn't really familiar with it when I first tried doing a, a crowdfunder. But what I do, to, what I did appreciate about the about Indiegogo is if you don't meet your goal, you still have the you still have the backing from the people that um, or you still have the 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 donations from the people that, that are backing you. And that was really important to me because, you know, especially with flexible goals, you never know how much you're going to make. And with, uh, independent artists that you don't, you don't know what your following really is. Um, I think it's, it's a safer, it's a safer route to Mm. go. Okay. And what's exciting is you still get to, you still get to, uh, keep the donations you do get, which gives you the opportunity or which gave me the opportunity to um, give to the people that are excited enough to to be a part of the crowdfunder, even if I yeah. hadn't gotten. Um, I think I had a, a loose goal of 8000 and we made 61 percent of it, which is way more than I expected to make, but also more than enough to make all of the um the merch and the perks that I wanted to give out to people. Awesome. And when I think the the beauty of a, a crowdfunder is that you have control of what you're releasing and how you're releasing it, and you get to re- you get to give it to people that actually want it. And um, for me, one of my favorite things is uh, I have a comic line that I have for all of my songs. So every time I release a song, 
I have a uh, alternate cover that is a comic book, ah. and then inside is an actual comic, and the dialogue is the lyrics from the comic. Wow! And so How clever. Yeah, it's a wow. really. I I just I grew up doing uh, reading comics and playing video games, and I, so for me the the entire. Uh, crowdfunder was just a way for me to get more of my nerdy self out also giving con- more context like visual physical context yeah. to my ep but um that kind of stuff i really just get excited about releasing and that's really cool it's hard because it's it can be really expensive to invest in those kind of things when you don't know who actually wants to yep you yep. know you don't know who wants that stuff well the other side of it too is that you know getting back to this self-doubt concept from earlier on Mm -hmm. if an artist has self-doubt and let's face it probably more artists have self-doubt than not Mm -hmm. and so if you're launching into a platform that says if you meet your goal you're going to get it if you don't meet your goal you get nothing yeah then all of a sudden your your backers say what happened well, I didn't meet my goal, yeah. and you're and you're hanging your head. So this way, with Indiegogo, and I'm trying, I'm not trying to endorse them, but I like the way that it's set up because you can say, "Hey, I didn't hit my goal, but you know what? Thank you. Like, I still get to keep the money, and it still helps me to go forward with this stuff, and I still get to give you what I promised you, mm-hmm. and so we still get to walk through this project together, and so everybody still gets to keep their head up." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point, and I I wouldn't have thought about that, and. Thank God I didn't do another like crowdfunder that wouldn't give me that because I would definitely if this didn't work out, I would definitely be filled with more self doubt because like yep. it's like if when you don't believe in yourself, what do you do? You go to someone else and hope that they believe in you too, which is a little codependent and can be toxic. But you know if you're if the crowdfunder doesn't make it, you don't make that money. You don't believe in yourself, and now other people are like, oh, he didn't make them the goal oh i guess he's not as good as or i guess people don't like him as well you just get filled with all these thoughts that are completely probably false but um yeah it gets it's a scary thing i would not have thought about that they are (laughs) false because you're secretly saying i want you to believe in me even though i don't believe in myself so please continue to support me even though i don't know how much longer i'm going to stick with this and there's this weird conversation happening yes no that's that's how i felt the entire the entire way through this experience because because the first time I ever did a crowdfunder, it didn't, you know, I didn't make it. We almost made it, but we didn't make it. And so I get, you know, you don't get that money and you're just like, oh, I guess I'm not, you know. And then seeing other artists too making, you know, 100% of the goal, 300% of their goal. I I know artists, friends of mine that um, they needed, I think they needed 30, 30,000 or something like that. And they made well over 60 and, and I'm so proud of them. But, um, personally, I know that my, my story is very different than theirs. So there really isn't, um, the battle of comparison in that for me. But what's really frustrating though, is when other people are like, you just can't compare yourself to those people, which I'm like, okay, listen, I'm not, but I am seeing the way that you are reacting or treating those artists versus the way you're reacting and treating yeah, me right yeah, now easier and said than done. that's what's weird yeah exactly yeah, yeah uh, back on episode 341 of the show liz longley she mm. got her kickstarter campaign completely funded on day one i think Whoa. she i think she raised 150 percent of her goal on day one Ooh, get you, so girl. it is easy to look at those people and say 
wow, how do I do that? Must be nice. Yeah. By the way, while we're talking about the new EP, being almost as far away from you within the continental U.S. as I can be, you in Portland, <laughs> Oregon, and, and me in Tampa, Florida, I can't pretend to say that I have any idea what things are like in terms of live music venues and the availability of shows there in Portland coming out of the pandemic. But... As we heard back on episode 393 when Dallas Remington said to me, <laughs> nobody told me we were all secretly booking shows for 2022. Are you, Bo, planning any touring, whether in Portland or, or elsewhere, and, and whether in 2021 or 2022, to promote the new EP? That is such a good question. So I've I've planned a few shows, but I think, dude, I, I will be honest, the self-doubt thing is really rough with that. And I've never really, um, I haven't really spent a long time on the road. And so if I never thought about doing 22 because 21 has been so heavy for me already, but the short answer is not yet. I did a lot of during 2020, I did a lot of live streaming and that's where I did a lot of my performances and that actually built, I would argue that built a lot of if not more clout and attention than if I went on the road and it's kind of like it's up in the air because I'm thinking if if live streaming is this accessible and well well done it's it would arguably be more lucrative than going on the road for me right now yeah but I really would like to I do have a couple shows coming up soon and I really would like to to jump back into it. I think I just I think the biggest thing is just getting that muscle going again. You know, once gotcha. you once you gotcha. start working that working that muscle, it really you start feeling better about it. Because I loved it and I I miss it a lot. But you brought up something interesting though, because back on episode three eighty six, I talked with Blake Morgan, who is based in New York City, and he has had a residency at Rockwood Music Hall for, I think, five or maybe even six years now. He said that during the pandemic, he went to Rockwood and put on a show to an empty hall, but it was live streamed around the world. Bo, here you are all the way in the Pacific Northwest, uh-huh. and yet last December, you did a live stream from Rockwood Music Hall too. I am I, am I right that. that you Am I right that you were at the venue? Nope. <laughs> I was uh, I I was in my home. I was in my home studio and okay, performed but, it there. Okay, but regardless, though, how did an artist from Portland, Oregon, get an opportunity at a venue during the pandemic? Yeah, three thousand miles away. That's a great point. You know what? Technically, yes, technically, I was at the venue online. I had like a, a friend who was like kind of a fill-in manager at the time. She she knew the people at Rockwood. They connected me, and they're like, "Yo, we're wow. looking for. We're starting to do." It was right when the 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 Rockwood Rockwood started streaming shows more consistently, and so they pulled me onto that. And wow. um, and that's actually that's what I was thinking when I said, you know, is the streaming more lucrative? Because I started building more of a following from those things, and I got more attention. And where people mm. used to not be able to make my shows, now they can because they just turn on their yeah. phone or their computer. Yeah. So and. Cool. Yeah, and just like the the advancement we have, I would, I said this uh, back in back in twenty twenty, but I feel like, as arguably terribly as the year went, there were some really fascinating and beneficial things that uh, we picked up from it, For and sure. I think the live streaming really helped. For sure. 
Yeah. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Portland, Oregon, by singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Bo Bascoro. Visit his official website at bobascoro.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. On his website, you will see links for Bo on all the major social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. So do be sure to follow him on one or more of those. You will also see a link on his website for Spotify, so you can follow him there. However, the best way to support Bo and his music is not to stream it, but to purchase downloads from iTunes and other online digital music retailers. Stick around because in just a minute, I'm going to have Bo talk about also being on Twitch. So it will be interesting to hear about his experience on that platform. Meanwhile, if you have been listening for a while now, you have been hearing me talk for the last couple months or so about something that I launched. So I wonder... Have you gotten yourself into my online class that teaches you all about maximizing interviews that get you on radio, TV, podcasts, or other media? It's on demand, meaning you go at your own pace, so you don't have to worry about a certain day and time when it meets. It's packed with close to 30 tips so that you can better position yourself for getting results for your business, your product, or your service. And I've also included a module that contains more than 15 sources you can use to try to get more interviews. Go to interviewtipscourse.com and get registered so you can roll up your sleeves with the videos and the downloadable PDFs that go with all this content. Take advantage of all my years of experience not only hosting the show, but booking my clients into interviews, plus all the time that I spent working in the Olympic movement and the National Hockey League facilitating media interviews with players, coaches, and executives. Go to interviewtipscourse.com and get started today so that you benefit from the time you put into being interviewed. Bo, what about Twitch? What has your experience been like on there? What do you like? What don't you like? And mostly, of course, how have you been able to use it to promote your music career? I have been... Like we said before, I, I grew up kind of in the geeky realm, so comics and video games were my life. That's how I even got in, involved in music. And so it's cool to have a platform like that where you can literally stream and do a variety of those kind of things. I've been doing it for more consistently now for, I guess, a year. And prior to that, I was I was streaming it on a, on a MacBook, but the I'm just going to go into what, I, what is difficult about Twitch is it is primarily it's really for people who have I would argue people who have PCs or um, mm. more of like a Mac desktop because I was doing it on MacBook Pro and it is the hardest thing because mm. Macs are kind of notorious for cooling for their cooling systems and just streaming something through OBS just makes the fans go crazy and so um, I think the biggest challenge was just learning. Um, like we said before, just constantly just going to to build your skills with that. And so I started with my MacBook and a webcam, and now I'm using a full mirrorless camera, Sony, wow. and I built my own PC after that. So now it's wow. running smoother. But uh, it's been really cool because I'm reaching into the community that I grew up in and bringing it all back to my music. And uh, what I do typically on the streams are in the day or in the afternoon, I'll stream my producing my music and writing my music. Mm. And uh, and then in the evenings, I'll play I'll play some sort of video game. Right now, it's um, 
we call it Spooktember and Spooktober. And so it's spooky season. So uh, every week we're playing a new scary game, which is like the best worst decision I've ever made because I hate scary <laughs> things like this. But it is it's bringing in the audience and it's so fun. They, I mean, we're playing this game right now called um, or we, we had just played the game uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, which is literally just like it's basically like if you're familiar with Chuck E. Cheese, it's basically like being uh, a security guard from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. in a Chuck E. Cheese. But Chucky and all of his friends are animatronic and they're all robots, but they're also <laughs> they also start moving at night and you have to like keep an eye on them and make sure they don't find you. It's it's a crazy it's a jump jump scare thing. So like if your power goes out, they find you and they get you. And I don't do well with jump scare stuff. So many a times I'm falling out of my chair, but it brings in the audience at night. And then exactly. Um, and then, you know, that's when you do what the crowd wants, I guess. But it's cool because then. Uh, with the music stuff, people are kind of seeing more. They're they're seeing and engaging more with the the behind the scenes of how what the origin of the song is before yeah, yeah. Um, before it's fully released. And yeah, you read my mind. I was thinking people love behind the scenes, and and that's what you're giving them. You're giving them a front row seat to it. Exactly, and it's really fun because. Um, you have it's it's different than YouTube, where YouTube subscribers get notifications and are just like a follower with subscribers on Twitch. They're actually investing into you and uh, signing up for a membership. So they get different perks, um, mm. sort of like Patreon does. Okay. So for mine, the subscribers get, you know, they get first listens to the the music that I release or the music that I'll never release. That's just for fun. <laughs> um, a lot of times I'll take requests for covers. And so subscribers get to request covers that we make and record and it's just a thing that they get to hear and so yeah there's just a ton of really cool perks with that right now yeah thanks man right now one thing we're doing is the uh one of the perks from the indiegogo was an alternate version of the ep which is Mm. a 8-bit or chiptune version so Mm. right now i'm producing um the ep but it's just uh an instrumental of of all the songs in 8-bit wow. form so like wow. imagine old like cabinet arcade games and that kind of music that's mm. what i'm doing right now with my ep and Very i'm really excited because it just it makes yeah. yeah it just makes it a little bit gives it a little bit something else yeah, for sure. Very interesting. There's also something I alluded to this back in the intro. I definitely want to hear the story about all that you're doing with Maxwell House and certainly how all that came to be in the first place. Mm, yeah, I'll try to say it quickly because it's like it gets really complex. But basically, I was working five jobs mm. when I moved back up to Portland from the Los Angeles OC area. And tr- during that time, you know, just to just to survive, I was yeah, five different jobs, um, which was basically just a bunch of customer service and food and retail. And that whole time, I was in excruciating pain. I, every time I took a step, it was just like killing my entire body. Found out that it was a labrum tear in my hip. Wow. And the tear was caused by some um, instability in my bone structure because there was a tumor on it. Mm. And so I had to have a surgery for that. So I wasn't walking for six months because of the surgery and once I did start walking again I started getting more in shape and you know getting more involved in entertainment I started doing more uh, modeling and acting stuff as well 
And I did a commercial for a casino, a local casino, and the producers were from New York. And the producers heard about my story uh, living in a closet. I moved into my mom's walk-in closet because I couldn't walk, so I couldn't pay rent. <laughs> and the only place I could live was with my mom, but she had a one bedroom with her newly, uh, newly married husband. And so the only availability she had was her, her living room had this like walk-in closet that was big enough to put a very small bed in. Crazy. Um, so I was living in that. They found out that whole story, how I wasn't walking, how I had these jobs just to survive. And they were like, wow, this guy's, this guy's life is terrible. Let's put him on TV. <laughs> so uh, it turns out that this production company that was from New York was also doing the rebranding for a company I'd never heard of called Maxwell House Coffee. Okay. And okay. they were doing this rebranding about... Um, it was like a, a max boost, which is like customizable caffeine or something. And so during that time, I showed them some of my songs I was doing and they picked up on the song High and they loved that a ton. And so hmm. what they ended up doing was uh, they wanted me to be kind of like the face of this campaign for a little bit. So they filmed me for a couple weeks just busking on the street and kind of like doing my jobs. Uh. And then I got a call from Harvey Mason Jr. in the middle of filming. And if you know him, he's the the president of the Recording Academy. Yeah. And he called me and said, hey, Maxwell sent me this song. That They sent me like a little demo of the song. I love this song. Mm. Why don't you come down here? Let's fly you down here and let's let's track this together and let's, let's oh do this gosh. thing. Oh, my gosh. So cool. I'm like... Oh, cool. I get to go to a studio. I get to go on a plane. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they flew me to they flew me to uh, to Los Angeles. I stayed off of Beverly Hills, and then they brought me to. I did not realize I was at the studio until I or I was going to be recording at the studio. But I got brought up to Larrabee Studios, which is I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's one of the most famous studios I can think of in the world, and. Um, that's where that's where we tracked the that's where we tracked the song and it is it was just the most surreal experience because that's where like Manny Marroquin, Harvey Mason Jr., a ton of other people recorded a ton of famous you know yeah Crazy. yeah Justin Bieber, Keith Urban, Toto. Like I looked at that door, I'm like, oh my god, this is this is the <laughs> this is the the door from Toto <laughs> from one of their albums. So outstanding. It was it was such a crazy experience. Outstanding. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, I had also said in the intro that you got to perform in London. Plus, I don't know if they were personal trips or music trips, but I also said that you've been to places like Iceland and Bali. Oh, yeah. But talk to me about meeting your father in Indonesia for the first time. Yeah. So that actually goes perfectly with the Maxwell House thing. Um, oh. After that collaboration, they released a a like a, a little ad on YouTube that was about me or basically about their product. And I got this random Facebook message uh, shortly after that. And it was like, hey, are you the, it was, the, the person's name was super bizarre to me. Cause I, yeah, just, it was just a very <laughs> different name that I'm used to. And uh -huh. they said, hey, are you the son of Bascoro? And I'm like, no one knows that that's my dad's name. My dad's name is Bascoro. And so hmm. I'm like, uh, 
yeah, who are you? And this person goes, I'm your cousin. We just, we just saw you on YouTube and we wow. didn't know that you were, but my name is Bobas Squirrel. There aren't any other Bobas Squirrels in the world. And so they're like, we just, we just found out that you existed. What the wow. heck? And so I'm like, oh my God, I, what? And so from that, we started building a relationship and mind you, this is my cousins. I didn't know anything about my dad at the time. Mm. And so I was making enough money uh, with music and uh, the modeling that I was doing is more consistent that I was like, you know what? I think this year I want to get, I, I have this relationship with my family that I've never met before. I want to, let's buy a flight and let's go visit them. Mm. So on my way there, I get a text from a random long number and it says, hi, Bo, this is Bascoro. How are you? And I'm like, oh God what and then my cousin texts me and says hey sorry just let you know i gave your dad your number wow and i'm like wait my dad's in indonesia i didn't know anything about him at that time i know nothing about him so when i got there i'm like oh god this is such a it's such a surreal experience because i went to go meet some cousins i end up meeting my dad and Mm. his entire family Mm. and to add to say to to summarize it really quickly it was it it was one of the best experiences that i have ever had Mm. i expected to be really disappointed and really upset and really resentful but he's one of the best people i've ever met in my entire life now and that whole family is yeah that whole family is fantastic and so supportive and loving and Mm. i couldn't be more grateful for, for i mean really i couldn't be more grateful that a random company found out about my living in a closet i couldn't be more grateful in the tumor Mm. that i had in my hip because now Mm. thanks to that i have a full like i know both sides of my family (laughs) Mm. that's the show folks i'll talk to you next week (laughs) wow oh my gosh (laughs) thanks so much george costanza i'm gonna go out on that one i mean that's i got i got two final questions to ask you but that's wow i wish i I wish i knew that story we would have ended with that but i've got to stick to the format sure totally I do want to know, back in the first half of the show, I asked you if you would be touring to support your new EP. As it relates to your live performances, I would love to hear about what I have read described as, quote, intimate performances with just a drum machine and a string trio, end quote. Oh, yeah. Well, I grew up listening only to like a lot of symphonic music and video game music. So uh, I got my education in uh, orchestral music composition, and I just love the idea of really changing the sound and not just playing an acoustic guitar and so i like mm. the idea of including some of the tracks from my music and rearranging the song just to have strings and so if i've ever been on the road like when i went to england i played with the the tracks and then a violinist and cello and i just i arranged the parts for them and mm. we just have this kind of like analog and digital music experience and um it's just something a little different i think and i think it stands out enough to to grab attention so cool so cool so we're going to close today with your new single that came out a few weeks ago called the color blue yeah but before i play that track though share with us all about this song if you would please yeah this is this was really interesting i originally wrote the song from a really dark place in my life where i had caught uh well it was just a really dark place in my life and I was really hurt by someone. And so I had written the song with a lot of really sad, dark lyrics and, but the music was still the same way. And 
I thought, I don't really want to put more energy into this negativity. I want this song to be about something that feels good because these tracks and like the music feels good. I want the lyrics to reflect that. And so I flipped the entire song and really it's coming from a place of wanting to feel that, uh, that kind of euphoria. I, I describe it as like feeling the euphoria of having your first crush and your first time with your license driving around the back roads <laughs> and like the, it's the best feeling of like you have your crush in the car with you and you're just getting to know each other and you both know that there's that chemistry. You both know something's going on, but no, everyone's nervous to say it. So you're just kind of rolling with it. <laughs> and we both come from places where we've been hurt or, um, we don't even know what it's like. It's that naivety of just like, I just want to go for it with this person, but I'm kind of scared too. So I think that's a, that's a feeling that's been really special for me in the past. And, um, so I want to, I want to put my energy towards something like that rather than what I've been hurt by in such a, like what I feel is like a really lovely track, the music in it and the arrangement, especially this, this edition of it, this version of it, it's exactly what I envisioned it to be mm. when I wrote it forever ago. And I'm just so excited to put this as one of the tracks from the EP. Cause I feel like it just flows so well. And it's so like sonically, like just it's sonically congruent and it's exactly what I want, how I imagined it being when I wrote it. And so, Fantastic. um, yeah, I'm so excited about it. I love it. Fantastic. Yeah, I can I can hear the excitement and congratulations on the new song. Thanks, man. Best of luck with the new EP, which comes out next week, Friday. And thank you so much for making time to be on now here at this entertainment. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, man. Absolutely. That will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Bo Bascoro. Do visit his official website at bobascoro.com. Again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. From his website, you can connect to any one or more of Bo's many social media accounts. This morning, I used those links to follow Bo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I encourage you to do the same. He is also on YouTube, of course, so subscribe to his channel and watch and like the videos on there. There is a link on bobascoro.com for Spotify, too, so you can go follow him on there. However, as I said earlier, the best way to support Bo is to purchase downloads of his music from online digital music retailers such as iTunes. For that matter, tell Bo you heard him and his music. I now hear this entertainment. Remember, the new EP comes out next week, Friday, November 5th. Again, a reminder that if you are someone who gets interviewed or thinks you should be getting interviewed or maybe should be getting interviewed more, then the online class I launched will definitely benefit you. At interviewtipscourse.com, I have extensive content that I'm teaching in an on-demand, go-at-your-own-pace format with close to 30 tips on how to get more from the time you invest on doing all those interviews and a module that has more than 15 sources for potentially finding more interviews that you can get booked for. Don't do interviews and come away saying, that was a waste of time, I really didn't get anything out of it. Go to interviewtipscourse.com to get started now. That will do it for episode 403. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Bo Bascoro. This is the one he just talked about. It's called The Color Blue. We took a drive Lost in a summer night I was sick while you were quiet 
This was the solace we needed. You were tongue-tied. I afraid you won. Cause I know that it's what you want. Then you boarded your windows up. Building the space between the seats. Love, I know it's fine to just take it slow. Yeah. Delicate, but my heart is steady enough to wait. In the moments you're alone, yeah, it's hard to let it go. When your heart has lost its home, but you hope could be with me. You retire the western moon, pull me close, but then you push. While this mode is burning you, and the chair. Speed to make up for moments when we. 